0: territory Uh, he also teaches him about the circle of life the cycle of interdependence among all animals here i'd like to invite everyone to watch the scene together and notice what light and dark represent for mufasa and simba
1: look simba everything the light touches is our kingdom wow a king's time as ruler rises and falls like the sun. One day, Simba, the sun will set on my time here and will rise with you as the new king.
0: And this will all be mine?
1: Everything.
0: Everything the light touches. What about that shadowy place?
1: That's beyond all borders. You must never go there, Simba.
0: But I thought a king can do whatever he wants.
1: Oh, there's more to being king than getting your way all the time.
0: There's more?
1: (laughs) Simba. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. As king, you need to understand that balance and respect all the creatures, from the crawling ant to the leaping antelope.
0: Dad, don't we eat the antelope?
1: Yes, Simba, but let me explain. When we die, our bodies become the grass, and the antelope eat the grass. And so we are all connected in the great circle of life.
0: There's a lot to unpack in this short clip. Um, The teaching of impermanence, illustrated by the setting sun. The teaching of interdependence and interconnectedness. The circle of life, which may be compared to the cycles of birth and rebirth we know as samsara. For now, let's just look at the role light plays in Mufasa's lesson to Simba. In the clip, he says, Everything the light touches is our kingdom. Then later, when Simba asks what the shadow place is, he says... That's beyond our borders. You must never go there. This division between light and dark places maps neatly into categories we're familiar with. Light versus dark parallels known versus unknown, seen versus unseen, and good versus evil. But as we know in life, light is not always good, and dark is not always bad. For example, sunlight can bring warmth, but spend too long outside and you may get sunburned. The darkness of the night makes it difficult for us to see, but many nocturnal animal species find safety in this darkness. In many ways, the light of the lion's kingdom mirrors the limitations of our own perspectives. We may not be the rulers of kingdoms ourselves, but the distinction between mine versus not mine and me versus not me deludes our worldview just the same. This mindset prevents us from recognizing and understanding that we are profoundly linked to all people and all beings in ways we might may not even understand. There are a lot of complex and insightful explanations as to why it is so easy for us to see the world in these divisions. One common teaching we're all familiar with is bumbu. We are all foolish, foolish beings limited by the fact that we only experience the world through one body and one mind in the present life. Yet I believe this is the crux of the wasan I shared. In order to understand, understand our place in the circle of life, so to speak, we can start by recognizing the lights of purity, joy, and wisdom that we encounter in all our lives. When I first read through this particular line, the second line um, harbors the lights of purity, joy, and wisdom, I wasn't, sure what, uh, I wasn't so sure what to make of purity. Joy and wisdom are much easier to identify. We have all experienced happiness, even if the source of that happiness is different. And we have all also encountered someone wise in our lives and gained wisdom ourselves by learning and by doing. <clears throat> but purity is a little different. Not only is it extremely suge- subjective, changing depending on who you ask, but the word carries with it a lot of assumptions and judgments for example, a pure substance is devoid of all traces uh, all traces of other substances, like chemical elements or precious minerals, and we value pure substances much more than substances we consider to be tainted with other materials. When we ascribe purity to people, we tend to think of innocence and goodness, maybe imagining someone who is optimistic and even naive. But what does it mean to be pure? In my quest for answers, uh, I looked up Pure in the dictionary, uh, the, Webster dic- the Web- Merriam-Webster dictionary, to be exact, if you wanted to look for yourselves. Um, this dictionary defines pure many times over, but my favorite is being thus and no other. This definition makes slightly more sense when used to describe stuff, but still doesn't make much sense when describing people. What does it mean for a person to be thus and no other? I'm sure you may all have some answers to this question, um, but allow me to offer my own interpretation. I liken purity here to authentic, authenticity, a self-awareness unburdened by outside expectations and expression of that knowledge of oneself as one exists in the world. In other words, someone who is authentic is someone who is true to one's own values, personality, and interests. But there is more to authenticity than just the self, and more to you than just you. The teachings of non-self, interdependence, and interconnectedness caution us against clinging to an idea of an independent self, an independent being as the end-all be-all of our existence. The you in this moment is the product of many causes and conditions that brought you here, some even beyond the realm of our understanding. Another way of thinking about this teaching of non-self can be to position yourself at the intersection of many different histories. These histories can be specific to your family or shared by the communities you call home. For example, as a yonsei, a fourth generation Japanese American, I inherit specific legacies from my grandfather's military service during World War II in the Japanese American 442nd Regimental Combat Team, as well as his family's history with forced relocation and for some of his siblings, incarceration. As a queer Asian American, I also inherit legacies of the historical queer liberation movement and the unique struggle of queer Asian Americans to have their voices heard in both the queer community and Asian communities. And finally, as a Jodo Shinshu Buddhist in America, my experience as a religious minority is also greatly shaped by the collective history of the Buddhist churches of America and the temples residing here today. In learning the stories that have brought us to where we are, we can can be mindful of and acknowledge this complexities in others we meet as well. Within everyone are countless experiences we may never know firsthand, wisdom outside our grasp. Yet this complexity is universal among all beings and all humans something worth tapping into as a uniting force, rather than a divisive element. I'd like to share a video with you all right now, um, that I believe illustrates this point very concisely. right, this looks good. (laughs) (sighs)
2: <sighs> Dad, I think today's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> a full day weather forecast of sunny skies and smiles. Hi, Elmo. Hi. Uh, what are you two doing? Dad and I are taking a break from our nature walk. Oh. And yeah, we stop for a moment to enjoy the colorful leaves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh look, Elmo, the leaves <laughs> are falling. Yeah. Look, look. This leaf is red like Elmo's fur. Oh, oh, oh. And this leaf is brown like Russ's skin. Good observation, Elmo. Oh, thank you. Oh, Elmo has a question. Oh, oh, what is it, Elmo? Well, Elmo wants to know why Russ's skin is brown. Oh, I know why, Elmo. My mom and dad told me it's because of melanin. Right, Dad? That's right.
1: Melanin? Oh, Oh, what's that?
2: Well, melanin is something that we each have inside our bodies that make the outside of our bodies the skin color that it is. It also gives us our eye and our hair color.
1: Oh, and our fur color? Yes,
2: that's right, exactly, Elmo. Oh,
1: but if we all have melanin, why are we different colors? Like, why is Mr. Elijah's skin a darker brown than Wilson's skin? Oh,
2: that's a good question, Elmo. Well, it's because the more melanin you have, the darker your skin looks. Ah. The color of our skin is an important part of who we are, but... We should all know that it's okay that we all look different in so very many ways. (laughs) Well, Emma's fur is red and soft. Oh, and my hair is black and curly. (laughs) Things on the outside, like our skin color, our hair texture, Mm -hmm. our noses, (laughs) (laughs) our mouths and eyes, make us who we are. Many people call this race, but even though we look different, we're all part of the human race. <laughs> Isn't it cool, Elmo? Very cool. <laughs> huh, look at the leaves. Hmm. What do you two see? Um, Elmo sees leaves that are all different colors. And the different colors look really cool together. Yeah. Yes, those leaves came from one amazing tree. Standing strong, its branches like arms stretch wide with leaves of many different colors. Side by side swing together in the breeze. Oh like this. Whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when people of all colors come together, we stand strong. Like this tree. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, Elmo. Oh. This leaf looks just like us. Two colors side by side. <laughs> it's beautiful. Beautiful together.
0: Um, I love this simple, uh, yet profound explanation, of uh, this metaphor. Just as leaves of all colors, shapes, and sizes need sunlight to grow, so too do humans of all colors, shapes, and sizes need the lights of purity, joy, and wisdom to grow and flourish in their lives. In this way, we can acknowledge the diversity of conditions, contexts, and cultures, and recognize our shared desire to live as our authentic selves, in similarity and indifference. Let us revisit the words of Shinran Shonin. Please join me in Gashu. From Shinran's Hymns of the Pure Land, the light of the Buddha of unhindered light harbors the lights of purity, joy, and wisdom. Its virtuous working surpasses conceptual understanding as it benefits the beings throughout the Ten Quarters. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amiravits, Nam Mandav, Nam Mandav, Nam Mandav.